0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Outdoor Edge knows that providing a freezer full of meat is part of the reason we all hunt. And what better way to bring it full circle than to process your own wild game? Outdoor Edge provides a full lineup of traditional and replaceable blade hunting knives and complete wild game processing kits to bring your wild game from the field to the freezer. Visit OutdoorEdge.com and at checkout, enter the discount code NATION30 for 30% off. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market.
1: The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get
3: up here. Yeah. 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 Good boy, my Good
1: Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're gonna catch a cat or a lion, you know you have to have pain work. We take you to the wildest places on earth. So how many days how many days a week can you spend on that? As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get, I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll
2: tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here.
1: On this episode of the Houndsman XP Podcast, we are taking a road trip. We are going to Greenville, Tennessee for the American Plot Association Breed Days. The APA hosts this event in the heart of American bear hunting. Greenville, Tennessee is the heart of Appalachia. And the AP hosts this event at the base of the mountains where these black bear roam free, travel back and forth between Tennessee and North Carolina and You can almost see the Great Smoky Mountain National Park from where we are hosting this event. It's a beautiful setting. I dare say that this is the cradle of civilization for the bear hound and the bear hunter in North America. As immigrants landed on the shores of the New World and predating the Revolutionary War, westward expansion had pioneers settling the Appalachian Mountains, and they brought with them hounds that could protect the homestead, but also provide food and other essentials such as bear oil and hides and and all of those things that were necessary for survival on this rugged frontier. This is old country, and the people that live here are rooted deeply in the Appalachian lifestyle and that culture. I'm going to introduce you to bear hunters, and we are going to ask them the vital question, one that plagues each one of us, the one that that we all search for and make it our quest. And that question is, what makes a bear dog? You're going to hear from legends like Roy Clark, Ira Jones, John Jackson, Ray and James Brown, and Rodney Burris. These men have spent a lifetime in the woods chasing the American black bear and developing, searching, and trying to find that perfect bear dog. Folks, we are talking about hundreds of years of combined experience and thousands of bears that have been caught between these men. If you have never attended an APA breed days, you will be doing yourself a great service to attend this iconic event nowhere else that i have ever been can you be exposed to so much expertise experience and great savvy advice from seasoned bear hunters this one is smoking hot and the old south dog box is about to come apart let's get the tailgate down and dump the box Southern Hound Hunting Magazine is the most comprehensive magazine that represents your lifestyle as a houndsman. If you can hunt it with a hound, it is being covered in the pages of Southern Hound Hunting Magazine. You also get an in-depth look at the men and women who are engaged in this lifestyle, living it every day to the fullest. From the Rocky Mountains to the Southern Swamps and across the ocean with articles about our international houndsmen and what they're chasing across the pond. Go to southernhoundhunting.com, get your subscription for $15 a year. Southern Hound Hunting Magazine, promoting the fair Chase experience. Do it again. All right, so I'm with Rodney Burris at uh, Breed Days. Rodney, you've served as the APA President in the past, yes, served
4: four years with the APA as yep. president, yep. and on the board of directors for many years before that.
1: Yep. And how long you been bear hunting?
4: Well, I'd say right now at about a little over forty years.
1: Forty years. You've had a lot of dogs come and go in that time. Yes, sir. Hunted with a lot of good dogs over that time. A lot of, a
4: lot of good dogs.
1: In your opinion, what makes a bear dog an exceptional bear dog?
4: I believe drive. I believe if you've got a dog that has the drive, you can. You can develop a a, a good bear dog and make a bear dog a lot easier with drive.
1: Yeah. So, so in your opinion, we talk about drive a lot, but what is drive to Rodney Burns? What the do willingness, you
4: that? the willingness to learn, the dog that really wants to please you and learn, mm-hmm. and uh, just easy to handle. Yeah. And when you go hunting, it gives you a hundred and ten percent every dog.
1: Every day. Every day. Every time you open the dog box, yeah. he's your A-roll.
4: Whether he's not able or not, but he's going to try to give you all he's got that day.
1: Yep, that's dry for sure. Yeah. All right, well, I appreciate it. you right. Rodney Burris lives in the border area of North Carolina, East Tennessee, and Georgia, just inside of Tennessee, and he spends hundreds of days and thousands of hours with bear dogs and chasing black bear. Living in such a location has given Rodney access to some of the greatest bear dogs that ever lived and some of the greatest bear hunters that ever hunted those hounds. When you add in the fact that he was on the board of directors and has been the president of the APA for a number of years, he's traveled all across the Eastern United States hunting black bear. I would say that that makes Rodney an authority on what makes a bear dog. As I was recording with Rodney, on the grounds of APA breed days, I look over and who do I see passing by, but Ira Jones. Ira is considered one of the pillars of the bear hunting community. He's got decades of experience. He's hunted some great hounds and he has bred high quality bear hounds for close to 60 years. In addition to that resume, Ira, I just like the way he lays this out. He is articulate and he's had this conversation before you're going to enjoy what ira has to say here's ira jones all right i'm with ira jones at the 22 uh 2022 apa breed days and uh ira how long you been bear hunting i pretty much my
5: whole life i grew up in it my grandpa and my dad i don't really remember not bear hunting
1: yeah. So you've been doing it a couple of years. Yeah. Now. Yeah. But I'm 60,
5: <laughs> heading on 61 here in a few days. So a pretty good while. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm going around here and I'm getting the the age old question and getting people's opinion on this question that that always gets debated. And that question is, what makes a bear dog?
5: I, I'm I, I'm gonna have to lean on hard. I, I really do. I like hard a whole lot. A dog that that really likes the scent of a bear that 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 bird does something to him from a young age. You don't teach him that. It's something that's bred in him, and he comes out of the gate strong, gives you everything he's got, whether he's by sale or her, or, or in company. I yeah, like a dog that gets a long and, and And, you know, when you're talking about a bird, I would begin with, you know, n- speed grit uh endurance things like that is a give you it has to be there we wouldn't even be talking about it uh but when you get into the bear dog part of it in that category I, I like the ones that has a lot of heart and a, and a, and just seems like they have a will to please you and 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 to be honest with you and i've been on this kick for a while telling people i i, I think you best you know you, you better dogs really come when the right pup and the right hunter gets together that's what really brings it out when the right man and the right pup hook up you can see good things and and those dogs they learn that that hound or that hunter they work for him and he works for them and and that's the special dogs the ones that i've saw that was really really you know just a, a caliber above that's been the difference in it and so
1: so do you think do you think that that comes from is it breeding or is it from the hunter well no it's the, pup. the right pup and the right hunter gets together
5: and gotcha. and that means it has to be bred well you take the best hunter there ever was in a, in a poor pup he's not going to get a lot out of it you take the best pup there ever was and tie it up and never hunt it you'll never know what you had it right. takes both it takes a good bred pup of whatever color or kind that's the, the hunter's preference and the right hunter somebody that's willing to hunt that's
2: a good and, answer and
5: and and then we're getting into that elite group of dogs yeah, buddy. And, and uh, I like what a breeder told me, here, I heard here a while back, and I think he answered it well. He, said, he was an old man at the time, and somebody asked him, where can we get a good bar dog? And he and this guy bred a lot of dogs, and he's passed now. He's gone on. And he said, well, son, I don't know. He used that term. He said, I really don't know. But he said, you go find a country that's got a part of the country that's got a lot of bear in it and find somebody that's a fanatic about bar hunt, you might find that dog you're looking for.
1: So there you have Ira Jones, and he said kind of the same thing that Rodney did as far as uh, what they're looking for, and that's that drive, and and Ira called it heart. But then Ira threw us a curveball, and he put that part in there about getting the right pup in the right hunter's hands. If there is one thing that I have learned in my lifetime of hunting and owning and training hounds and being around these great houndsmen is that a great hound is always in the hands of a great houndsman and you can say the other thing you know turn that around the other way as well great houndsmen have always got really nice hounds ira jones and roy clark have hunted together for many many years so it's no surprise that they have some common views about what it takes to make a bear dog. I caught up with Mr. Roy as he was walking across the grounds and here is what he had to say about what makes a bear dog. All right, so I'm with Mr. Roy Clark of Laurel Mountain Plots. And uh Mr. Roy, how many years you been bear hunting? Uh, I've been bear hunting all my life,
2: but uh, I'd say. You're not going to tell us how old you are, are you? Yeah, I'm I'm 73. 73. But but, uh, I'd say 60 years or so. Yeah. Yeah, so you grew up with bear hunting? I grew up with it. Yeah, Yeah. I went when I was younger than that. Maybe I wasn't much of a hunter then, but I went anyway. Right. Right. And you've been, how long have you been raising your own line of plot dogs? Well, we've been raising them, actually. Daddy and my grandpa and Charles Ganton them. They was raising them when I was started. Yeah, so and you've then been we around them your whole them life. Ever since. Yeah, yep. whole Yeah, but I'm uh, coming to end. I think. Oh, you're more. not
1: either. <clears throat> you uh, got a good uh, network of hunters around you though that that you hunt yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, I do.
2: Yeah. And if it wasn't for them, I couldn't do it. now. Right, uh, but
1: and help feed dogs and everything else just tell you the truth i've been i've been walking around here and i've been talking to some of the some of the people that should know the answer to this question i've been asking everybody the same question if you can't answer it then then might be worried might be a little bit worried what makes a bear dog (laughs) i'd say uh
2: it's i think it's it needs to be bred right but then you got to hunt it, and the more hunting you do to it, the better it gets, and that's what I think.
1: So, so you think that you got to start with that good genetic base, you know, yeah, I think good breeding, and then, and then. Yeah, hunting. but I ain't saying you
2: couldn't find a good dog that maybe ain't like that. Mm-hmm. But I don't believe you'll keep a breeding them and and do that unless you've uh, unless you've proved them out and then you're breeding them and know what you're doing i'd right. say that'd be my opinion
1: so so what do you breed for in your bear dogs? well mostly i'd kind of say traits. mostly huh what kind of traits you look for well i, I mostly go
2: for nose and uh and and speed time mm-hmm. and uh, which you you know you can learn most of them that learns to tree They might be one every once in a while don't but but most of them is going to tree and and stuff, but the grid you you got to be nervous enough to, to for them to stay up there and uh, and agitate them good enough. I don't like over grid. right? Uh, I, never a I don't right like them It stays hurt. that you have to uh, hunt them one day and lay them up a month. I don't like it. Right. I used to. Did you? Yeah, I used to like that, but I don't <laughs> like it no more. It costs too much. <laughs> well,
1: so so do you think how how much how much of that comes from the person that trains the dog, and how much of it comes from from breeding? Do you think? Well,
2: uh, I'd say a good hunter, a good hunter that knows uh, maybe more than a dog does, but a good dog, <laughs> there's, there's some good dogs. I'd say it knows a lot more than a hunter does. You got that right. Yeah, you and. Got that right. Uh, and I'd say you you could take some good dogs and let a bad hunter have it, and they probably could mess it up. I'd say. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. But now, uh, the, I, I, I'm believing, and I, I don't believe in making excuses for You know, like he's our one, why he lay up there. Uh, this and that and other, and that machine Putty Meyer, but he ain't there when you get there. I don't believe in that. Right. I believe in their for are there. Yeah. And 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 now the now the GPS and stuff you can about tell what's going on with them, but but dealing before that mm-hmm. and stuff, uh, there's a whole lot of people had
1: a good dog, but it would never be <laughs> to kill. Thank you, Mister Roy. No doubt about it, folks, I could spend hours talking to Roy Clark. Just think about all of the years, the decades that he has put into this thing. And then think about the things that he inherited, the stories and the legends and the the experience and the wisdom that he got from his father and his grandfather. And then as he comes of age in this modern era of bear hunting... He is more than willing to share his knowledge with the next generation or two generations of bear hunters after him. Roy Clark is one of those men who also grew up in the heart of Appalachia. He lives just west of the great Smoky Mountain National Park. At 73 years old, Mr. Roy has heard the stories from his father and grandfather and other hunters from the area that actually hunted that area that is now known as the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. Here is a side note about the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. The park encompasses 522,419 acres. It's one of the largest protected areas in the eastern United States. The park is not only known for its spectacular landscapes, it captures some of the most beautiful views in the eastern United States, but it also preserves multiple historical structures and captures the culture of Appalachia and early America mountain living. Included in this culture is the black bear. Visitors from across the world travel to the great Smoky Mountain National Park in hopes to see the icon of the Smoky Mountains, and that is the American black bear. And with that, this same area that is now the national park were several homesteads and in those homesteads lived bear hunters. I bring all of this up to try to draw a word picture for you. So take into account that this national park, which was established in the 1930s, all of these people were living everyday normal lives within the boundaries of the park once the park was established they were displaced and hunting was halted within the boundaries of that national park so you take a whole culture of people who grew up with bear hounds and bear hunting and all of a sudden once the dog and the bear crosses into this national park then you've got a problem But there's another challenge that is added to the layers of this story. In this area, there are several bear sanctuaries. Certain parts of the national forest are designated as bear sanctuaries, as an area where black bear can thrive. They can live unharassed. They can't be hunted in those areas. We've all heard the saying, hounds can't read posted signs. Well, I'm going to tell you that I think black bears can read posted signs in my experience of hunting this particular range of mountains in Appalachia it's not uncommon for a black bear to beeline for the sanctuary or head for the park they know where their safe zones are and they show no self-pride in a good fight when they can pack it up and head for the safe zone of a sanctuary or a national park so when we hear our Bear hunting legends talk about things like speed and grit and drive or heart. Those traits are essential to catching black bear before they cross into these sanctuaries. There are no roads a lot of times, so access is on foot and it could be a several mile hike and an overnight stay if that black bear takes your hounds on a trip into the sanctuary or into the national park. We took a brief detour there and we talked about some historical aspects of this region. The next person that I'm going to introduce you to is considered the plot historian. Mr. John Jackson has written hundreds of columns and articles over the years in Full Cry and American Cooner. He's written column after column and article after article for the American Plot Association Brindle Book He is probably one of the most approachable people that I've ever sat down and talked to. He's got a demeanor about him that is warm and inviting. He is well-read, well-educated, and he epitomizes that demeanor of this Appalachian culture. More importantly for our purposes for this podcast is his vast knowledge of the plot hound and bear hunters in Appalachia. John still works tirelessly for the APA, and when I caught up with him, he was manning a table, selling raffle tickets for the association. You are going to meet John Jackson as soon as we come back from this short break. Briar Creek Kennels is your complete hound hunting outfitter. Boots, lights, collars, and tracking equipment. Dog boxes, kennel supplies, collars, clothes, squalors. They have it all. Briar Creek Kennel is a Garmin and Dog trade dealer. Owner Chris Girth will ensure Briar Creek Kennel customers will get top of the industry customer service. Whether you purchase from their website or you find them at a major coonhound event, Chris and his staff will share expert knowledge and experience about every product they offer. Chris Gerth is a top competitor and breeder of hounds. He knows what gear you need to be successful. Look for Briar Creek Kennels on the web for a complete online store or look at their fully stocked trailer at any major coonhound event. Briar Creek Kennels, offering a hound hunting public generations of excellence. In the spirit of this bear hunting podcast, I think it's important for you to know that the company Dogs Are Treed is owned by a bear hunter and all of the high quality gear that you can purchase from Dogs Are Treed has had that in mind. Kevin Hall, and Nancy have designed every bit of their equipment to stand up to the rugged abuse of big game hunting with hounds. I've said it before, it is the highest quality equipment that you can buy for your hounds. While I was at Breed Days, I saw no less than half a dozen dogs are treed tie outs in Appalachia, coming all the way from Income, Idaho to Appalachia. I also saw some people... Copying some of their ideas. Don't be fooled. You got to get your gear from Dogs Are Treed. They have not sacrificed quality when building the best gear in the industry. Check out their leashes, their tie-outs. Paws are protected and dogs are hydrated. Designed by bear hunters for bear hunters. DogsAreTreed.com. Find them on our website. And at checkout, use the promo code HXP20OFF, percent and you get 20% off. If you join us on Patreon, we'll send you a code for a deeper discount. All right, I'm here with Mr. John Jackson and Mr. John, uh, people that have been in the plot breed for any amount of time or read some through Brendel books or anything like that, seeing John's name on a lot of historical columns and articles and I'd call you the plot historian, John.
6: Well, thank you for calling me that. I, uh, I'm very humbled to hear that. I
1: appreciate you saying that. Yeah, I, I've learned a lot through, about the plot breed just by reading your articles and Full Cry magazine and, and uh, all the clock co- you know, columns you've written for the APA.
6: Well, it's a very interesting subject, and one of the things that gravitated me to the plot, I feel like we've got a history and a tradition that no other breed has, no other hound breed. You know, uh, considering the six recognized breeds, uh, plot plot
1: breed has quite a history. Quite a I previous. could agree more. I think that's the thing that drew me to it too. Uh, you yeah. know, it's an all-American <laughs> hound. It sure is. It goes way back to the 1750s. It's and uh, yeah, and you help you help develop that in me. I want you to know that.
6: Well, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, that I do for sure. No, it uh, you're touching the touching the face of. Of history here, you really are. It's a, it's it's a very interesting subject, and uh, there's just so many colorful personalities that uh, involved in it, and a lot of famous people, a lot of famous dogs, uh, just a resounding tradition. That's part of the hunt, uh, part of the uh, part of the enjoyment of the being out around and other with other people
1: and seeing the dogs.
6: Something like this is really gratifying to see so many folks. Look at these kids walking around here. How about that? Families and
1: everything. How
6: about that? The nicest thing about plot dogs are not the dogs. It's the people that own them.
1: There you go. (laughs) It really is. You're not the first person I've heard say that today. Oh, I've said that all along. (laughs) That's what sets the plot breed apart in my opinion. Yeah, it's the folks that own them. Well, I have been going around breed days here and And uh, based on what you just said, as many dogs as you've, you've been exposed to, many of these people you've been exposed to, i got one question I've been asking people. What makes a bear dog?
6: Well, you've got to have more than one attribute to it. Of course, the plot dog is famous for its tenacity, its grit. But to make a bear dog, you've got to have, well, to begin with, it's got to be a tree dog. It's got to be able to tree. It may treat the bear far from you, and it's got to hold that tree till you get to it. Mm-hmm. It's got to have a real good nose, got to be able to grub out a cold track. Uh, it's got to have. Uh, Von Plott called it bottom. Yeah. <laughs> he said, Does your dog have bottom? You know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did <laughs> you that.
6: know Von? No, I didn't know him. Yep. I, I missed him oh, by just a few weeks. Yeah. He was in the hospital, and I didn't get to see him. I, I talked with his son and his grandson, members yeah. of the family. I've been there where he lived, uh, several times. Yeah.
4: Well, it looks like we've been a good you, for our you bench. Shows. Some, you wanna go down and watch the bench have show at the ability Atlanta, to run, run a track out the UK of course you don't American want a lot association bench show down
6: at the pavilion. You don't want a tight mouthed dog, you want
1: plenty of plenty of mouth.
6: Yeah. Uh, you don't want too much mouth, but gotta be able to run a either a hot track or grub out a cold track and got to stick to that tree yeah it's a lot of people just think a bear dog well a lot of novices would think of bear dogs all you got to have is grit that's not true yeah you'll never see a bear if, uh, if that's the only thing your dog has you may yeah. never
1: see your dog again either if that's all they got <laughs> yeah, that's true yeah that's true <laughs> it's got to be a tree dog it's got to yeah. be a tree dog just like a do you, think, do you think the tree and instinct is as important for a bear dog as it is for a coon dog? Absolutely. In what way?
6: Well, he'll run that bear down and he'll tree it. And sometimes you can, you can hear him very easily, sometimes he'll be a long way off. And sometimes he might have a, a loud tree, chop, chop, for example, and other times it might be muted. But that's the key to it. You'll never see the game in the tree, or he might be baying it on the ground. You'll never see it unless he, he's going to open.
1: Right, know?
6: right. And that's that's part of the fun.
1: That's right. <laughs> oh, that that's hound right. music is the best music you've ever heard in your life. You ever taken somebody hunting that did have, didn't have did have a dog in the hunt? Oh, yeah. They aren't near as, near as motivated to get there as we are as houndsmen. You know what I mean? Uh, well, taking... once,
6: once you get a little taste of it, they, it's it's kind of addictive. Yep. It really is. Yeah.
1: But that first time, they're like, I don't know. I'm not sure. They're char- I remember following those guys up through the mountains the first time I bear hunted, not having a hound in that thing. But after I got hounds in the game, then I got a little more pep in my step. Well, that does,
6: that does help. Yes, <laughs> yeah. it does. Yeah. George yeah. Washington, I think the Marquis de Lafayette gave him some French... Pinch hounds and they're fox dogs, you know. Right. He said it sounded like the bells of Moscow. <laughs> <laughs> Moscow, Russia's got a lot of famous bells in the cathedrals and everything. My oh, boy, they must have had some ringing voices. Or that's something. right. Yeah, that's
1: right. Yeah. Well, Mr. We Mr. Jackson, I appreciate it. This yesterday. is no mystery about me. I'm just playing on John. All right, John. Thank if you, you very much. M- you
6: say Mister, I wouldn't know who.
1: John Beavers <laughs> with Booger, if you're around and you want to bring them up. So there were some distractions there with the loudspeakers and the crowd noise, but I wanted to record it right there so that you could feel the excitement and the festivities of APA breed days. Mr. John and I were sitting on the front porch, and I say porch, but this is a huge patio area in front of a timber frame lodge and with a a huge fireplace in the background, and we're overlooking the Bay Pins, and the grounds of this huge event, so we could see the people, the families, the plots moving by, conversations going on around us, and of course, the announcer stand messing up my interview. You would have thought that they could have toned it down a little bit for this interview. Oh, well, Mr. John Jackson is a wealth of knowledge. He has had Decades. I, I didn't ask Mr. Jackson how old he is, but I would say 70-ish, that era. And he is not ashamed to be unplugged from the world as far as technology goes. For the most part, the best way to reach him is still by U.S. Post or a good old landline phone call. But John will always share his knowledge and the things that he has been fortunate enough to gather over the years and then share it with all of us. John Jackson is a humble and gracious man, and it was a pleasure to sit down and talk to him. In fact, there's a part of the conversation that we had that I wish the recorder would have still been rolling. John Jackson was good friends with Mr. Taylor Crockett. Anybody that knows anything about plot dogs knows of the legendary Taylor Crockett and his work within the plot breed before his passing. The Crockett bred plot was known for its grit, its stick, its bottom, however you want to say it, but they were going to stay in the race. Once they caught up to a bear, they had the grit or the bottom to really put pressure on the bear to hold it at bay or to put enough pressure on it to make it climb. And John tells me, he he describes it like this. He is the beneficiary of Taylor Crockett's hard work. And he has worked very hard to preserve that line of dogs and not make out crosses and stick to the plan that Mr. Crockett had. The next person we catch up to is a lifelong bear hunter. Again, These guys all have a common denominator. They got a lot of gray in their beard. When you're among bear hunters and you mention the name James Brown, nobody is thinking about funk music or the Godfather of Soul or Mr. Dynamite or the Soul Brother number one. This James Brown has his own rhythm among bear hunters, and that is his connection to some of the iconic Weems bread plots. James had a very special relationship with the late Everett Weems. He saw the greatness in the Weems Bread Plot and brought it back from Illinois back into this cradle of civilization for the bear hound. James lives in Telico Plains, Tennessee, just west of the Smoky Mountain National Park and has spent his whole life hunting there and all across the United States. When I caught up with James he was a little reluctant to sit down at first. But he does, and here's what James has to say. All right, so I'm with James Brown at APA Breed Days 2022. And uh, James, how long have you been bear hunting?
3: All my life, I'll soon be 70 and I was raised up with bear hunting. Yeah.
1: So, tell me, the reason I'm talking to you is because every time I ask somebody, who can I talk to that's hunted a lot of the old stock dogs and brought that forward and done a lot of lot of hunting? But you hunt you're from Tennessee, but how much time do you spend up north hunting? I'll average spending six,
3: eight weeks. Yeah. Training season and kill season. Do
1: you keep track of how many bear you catch a year?
3: I don't keep track of how many.
1: What's your guess?
3: Well, me and the fellows I hunt with, we're, they're, they're, let's say they're a tree in 90-plus.
1: 90-plus bear a year for 70 years. Well, no, not for 70 years.
3: <laughs> Trust me. A lot more bear now than there was then, you know.
1: All right, here's a question I want to ask you, James. What makes a bear dog?
3: What makes a bear dog? In my opinion, a bear dog is, is one that's got uh, the desire to stay on one as long as it takes. I want I want a, a cold nose dog. I, I want a dog that's got grit. And I want a dog that gets along with other dogs. And, and I want an outstanding tree dog.
1: Yeah. It's It seems like the common thread has been that desire, that drive. You know, and I'm trying to think. How I want to phrase this next part of it, but I guess I'll just ask you: What are some of the what are some of the greatest dogs you ever hunted with or raised, and um, what kind of what kind of traits did they have that made them great? Some of the greatest dogs I've
3: hunted with, I won't say greatest because I, I don't want to put any dog in the category of being greatest. I just because. I, I, uh, a lot of what people call greatest, I think, is the other dogs equal with them. But uh, I've hunted with <clears throat> the ones Larry McKenzie's had. I've hunted several dogs he's had. I hunted, uh, uh, had, a <clears throat> excuse me, a dog called Thumper Clyde. It was a, it was good bear dogs. I've hunted with some, some that Bob Gigi had was as uh, outstanding bear dogs. And and I just take the would say pick. Any certain one or two? I'm hunting with a lot of a lot of good bear dogs.
1: What impress you when you watch them go? What what sort of things impress you about those dogs?
3: Okay, like I say, the first thing is desire that the dogs had the speed and what I call stick and and uh, and uh, they'd be there to end. That's that's my definition of you know and that's what's impressed me of, of, of a great bear dog is one there to end.
1: Yeah, I've. I, I appreciate you sitting down and talking to me for just a couple minutes. James, I'm going to corner you one of these days and we're going to have a big, long conversation about all the bear hunting adventures of the Brown boys. We might make that happen. (laughs) James was selling himself pretty short right there. If you go around the plot breed at all, or talk to other bear hunters and people that I know and really respect, they'll always talk about James and, um, The quality of hounds that he always had, the quality of hounds that he hunted, uh, as hard as he hunted. This guy's a bear hunter through and through. And again, it points back to that common denominator among all of our guests so far of where they live. They live right there in the cradle of it all. While their location and where they grew up and where they were born certainly has helped shape bear hunting in North America one thing that hasn't been mentioned much is their willingness to go find what they're looking for, hunting all over the United States, following those leads to go find that next great bear dog. So you take that cultural experience that they've had, and then they also have the ability to recognize greatness in, in a bear dog. But they were never afraid to go find what they wanted or what they needed to enhance their performance of their hounds. When we wrapped up that piece with James, you heard me say that we're going to get the story of hunting with the brown boys. Now that was not disrespectful at all. The Browns are at least 10 years my senior. That's what they're commonly referred to in the bear hunting community. And it is plural, so that means there is another Brown that we need to talk to. I'm going to introduce you to Ray Brown, commonly and affectionately known as Uncle Ray. When I first met Ray Brown, I was immediately drawn in by his demeanor and the way he represents the mountain culture. I don't know that I've ever been around Ray when he wasn't wearing bib overalls, a t-shirt, a medium brim felt hat. He'll be sitting close to the fire and he'll be whittling red cedar with a very sharp pocket knife. He'll take that pocket knife and he'll try to make one cut all the way down the length of a 12 to 16 inch piece of red cedar to make one fine long sliver coming off of that. And he'll take a couple strokes and then he'll pull a whetstone out of the bib pocket on those bib overalls and he'll give that knife a few strokes and he'll never stop telling stories and these aren't tall tales they are stories that absolutely draw you in they they're stories about hunting all across the united states with some of the finest hounds that you would ever want to haul in a box ray was a professional hunter he hunted for a man named oliver smith oliver smith was an attorney from knoxville tennessee He loved bear hounds, he loved to bear hunt, and he had the means to go out and purchase some of the finest bear hounds that you could possibly have. The one thing that he didn't have was the time to hunt them. So he went out and he found some of the hardest hunting bear hunters. He could find good dog men that were willing to travel and keep those hounds on bear as many days of the year as possible. This is like the second edition of the Brush Busters. Oliver Smith and his hunters came after the iconic Hack Smith deal and his Brush Busters. While not as well documented or celebrated as Hack Smith deal, Oliver Smith and his hunters have their own story and made their own impact on bear hunting, on bear hounds, and legends of the plot breed dogs such as cascades big timber hunters like bob Geezy and guys like this my friend ray brown so i'm with ray brown at the apa breed days in greenville tennessee and uh ray you and i got to know each other quite a few years ago uh you come up to the house for for an event we held there and and uh my son, Jake, still talks about sitting around whittling cedar sticks. We used to cut cedar so that you guys had something to whittle before you came up.
7: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like to whittle.
1: Yeah, we had a good time. He still remembers those times. Well, you spent you spent your whole life bear hunting. You know, we talked to your brother, James. You guys grew up bear hunting. You've been, around, you've been raising plot bear dogs for how long? Uh, since back in the early 70s. Early 70s, so about 52 years' worth. You've hunted all over the country. Who'd you, t- Tell us a little bit about who you used to hunt for.
7: I used to hunt for Oliver Smith. and owned the Smithvale Cascade bred dogs. I hunted a lot with Gene White over the years, uh, Larry McKenzie. I uh, hunted all over the country. You used to hunt a lot, line hunt a lot with Willis Butov out in Utah.
1: Yeah, that's a name the people out west will recognize yeah. for sure. You hunted California back in the days.
7: California, back when it was still legal to bear hunt, good bear hunting. Yeah.
1: So, with that much, that much experience of hunting all over the United States, we're sitting right here at Greenville, and this, I call this the cradle of civilization for bear dogs.
7: Yes. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree, yes.
1: I'd say within a hundred mile radius, bear hunting in the United States wouldn't exist if it wasn't for this part of the country and the people that lived here.
7: Exactly. And probably more plot dogs in a hundred mile radius than there are in the whole United States.
1: Maybe the world.
7: Maybe, yes.
1: Probably the world. Yes. All right, well, I'm going to ask you the question, and you think, because you're the man that can answer this, what makes a bear dog?
7: A bear dog ain't made, it's born, bred, but you got to hunt them to make, bring it out in them, in my opinion.
1: What are the types of traits that you've seen in dogs that set apart an average bear dog to an exceptional or a great bear dog?
7: Well, cold trailing ability is one thing, speed, and, and like I've always said, grit. Hey, I, I, like, I love a gritty hound. I mean, in my part of the country here in East Tennessee, it seems like it takes a, a little more aggressive dog to, to catch a bear than it does anywhere else in the United States that I've ever hunted. I'm,
1: I've found that myself. I've went, hunted out here and I've hunted out west and things like that. And uh, But does it seem like to you like bear climb a little faster and a little easier out west than they do? back here
7: except yes i do and up north the same way i think they climb a little easier than they do around in this part of the country
1: what do you think that is
7: well they we have more pressure on them here i think is one thing and it's just a little different terrain i mean what i'm trying to say is i mean it's not as rugged as it is out west but i don't i mean
1: you put you put the laurel thickets and all that with this this terrain and it's as rugged as any place anybody can hunt, you know, Idaho, wherever.
7: Exactly, yeah. We don't might not have as big a mountain as they have out west, but we have rougher terrain, I think.
1: After you've been climbing one for an hour, they all seem steep.
7: <laughs> That's exactly correct, yes.
1: And then the, they'll put the laurel on top of it, and it makes it miserable.
7: Really, because you're crawling and everything else to get through it. Yeah. yeah it's, it's rough hunting. It's, it's not an old man's hunting
1: ground. <laughs> <laughs> uh Well, uh, Ray, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. You're, You're more welcome. That was Ray Brown, ladies and gentlemen. Ray has so much experience. He's traveled all over the United States, and he's chased bears in every state that it was legal to do so. And I didn't ask him if he ever chased bear in states that it wasn't legal. We might save that one for another day. But Ray is one of those guys. I know you're probably sitting there thinking, man, why are you only interviewing these guys for five minutes at a time? I can promise you that you will hear more from Ray Brown and some of our other guests today. We've only scratched the surface on what makes a bear dog. And we've only scratched the surface on the opinions and the wisdom and the knowledge and the insight and the experience of these legendary bear hunters. And that is a term that I use for them. It's not something that they consider themselves to be. To the man, when I asked them if they would talk to me about this, they were very humbled. They were even uh, somewhat remissive about it or didn't want to do that. And each one of them made this statement to me that they didn't know if they were qualified to be able to talk about it. When I approached each one of them, I didn't tell them the question that I was going to ask them. I simply said, I wanna ask you a question and it's only going to be one question. And they all looked at me like, well, I don't know if I can answer it. And I tried to reassure them, it's about bear hunting. And they still said, I don't know if I can answer it. There is such a huge lesson in that for me on my journey to become a houndsman, to be an extreme performance houndsman. As I walk among these people that I consider legends, icons of the bear hunting community, it's almost embarrassing when a friend of mine or my wife or a family member tells people that I'm a bear hunter or even a houndsman. When I examine my own accomplishments, the things that I have done, and then try to compare them to these men, I feel like a grain of sand on the beach. I think another thing that is worth discussing is these men became legends in a time without social media. They each proved themselves based on their own hard work, their own accomplishments, their own adventure, their own obsession with bear hunting and having great bear dogs. Ira Jones called it fanatic. Every one of these men is a bear hunting fanatic. You could say that it is in their DNA. Appalachia is a subculture of, the, of American society that has a deep, rich history. And these men have got generation after generation after generation of that Appalachian culture and bear hunting and bear dogs. My desire to capture this story from APA breed days in Appalachia was not unintentional. The Plot Dog came here in 1750. It was brought by Johannes Plot from Germany to the colony, I said colony, of North Carolina. That's 26 years before the Declaration of Independence was signed for the United States of America. I am also not trying to draw disparagement on you bear hunters in other parts of the country. From Maine to the Pacific Northwest, through Canada, all the way down the Rocky Mountain chain to Arizona and New Mexico, there are hardcore bear hunters. But there can only be one beginning, and that beginning was in Appalachia. I have also seen great bear dogs that were blue ticks, walkers, running walkers, red ticks, They come in all colors and granted I was at APA breed days. Don't be confused. All of these experienced, hardcore, legendary bear hunters talked about bear dogs, not by color. they talked about traits, drive, heart, the ability to run a track, having the grit to stay with a a rough bear. And finally the tenacity of the individual hunter. To make that hound great, to hunt that hardcore bear dog, you have to be a hardcore hunter. Just like my buddy Mike Colley always says, which one of these dogs is going to be the best dog, Mike? And he'll look at you and say, the one you hunt the most. So there you have it. We boiled it down to the basics of what it takes and what makes a great bear dog. Maybe you have that great bear dog right now. If you want to preserve that memory with a high quality piece that you will be proud to display in your home, check out Rough Cut Company. I'm sure you've got a picture of that dog on your phone and I'll tell you how easy it is. Rough Cut Company will take your high quality digital images, upload them, and then laser engrave those onto native hardwoods. All you have to do is go to roughcutcompany.com and follow the instructions for uploading your photo, choose the size of the piece that you want, and RoughCut Company will take care of the rest. They will send you proofs to get your approval before they laser engrave that photo onto native Wisconsin hardwood, and then it comes securely shipped to your home. These things make great gifts. Maybe you have that special. Mentor or houndsman in your life that you want to say thank you. Snap a picture of them with that great hound that they're proud of, that they've worked their whole life for. Go to roughcutcompany.com, upload that photo, have the piece shipped directly to your home, and then present that in honor of someone that made such a great impact on your life. Go to roughcutcompany.com on the interwebs, and at checkout, enter the promo code HXP10% off and you'll get 10% off your order. That will do it for this episode of the Houndsman XP Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and until next time, you follow your hounds and I'll follow mine.